Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> this episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in sports drink. Spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. <laughs> What's up, guys? Our fourth and final stop through the AFC East takes us to Western uh, New York. Buffalo and uh, talking about the defending AFC East champion Buffalo Bills who um, the last time we saw them were one half of probably one of the best football games I've seen of all time you know it, it's definitely one of those all-timers for sure not just like in the last 10 years or whatever it, it's one of the best games that's ever been played um, we talk extensively with that with our new friend Dave Myers from Built in Buffalo and um you know, we cover quite a bit talking about the uh, talking about the team, and we really just um, really just got off on a on a roll there uh, towards the end. It's one of the longer, I think it's the longest interview we've done so far uh, out of the uh, the eight seven that we've done uh, so far. So um, it's a mouthful for sure. But before we get to that, I have a special announcement that I want to make about how the show is going to go this season. Now, uh, as you guys have known the last couple of years, what I've done is is break the show up into uh, basically like smaller pieces. On, on uh, Let's say the Bears play on Sunday. On Monday, you'd have your Bear Up and Bear Down, and then Tuesday would be the full-blown review with uh, or the deep dive, as I like to call it, with knee-jerk reactions and the whole lot. Then we'd have Wednesday off, and then Thursday we'd talk to our guest about previewing the game. Friday would come back and do the keys to the game, uh, things like that, you know, the deep dive preview, uh, if you will. Well, we're going to keep all of that. However, from now on, or when the season starts, when we do the, uh, when, when the Bears play on Sunday, then Monday is going to be a full show. Once again, I'm going to do it all at once. I'm going to have knee-jerk reactions, going to have the deep dive uh, review, and Bear Up and Bear Down will be the final segment for all my OGs who remember that's how the show used to go. Because I used to do two shows a week instead of four, and, uh, you know, that was how the shows went. They were all in one. I would have my news and notes, and then I would have my interview, and then close it out with final thoughts before moving on to the game. So we're going to go back to that. However, that's going to be on Mondays is where you're going to be the, the review, knee-jerk reactions, um, bear up and bear down and everything all on Monday. And then on Tuesday, something I want to try this year. We'll see how it goes. Maybe we'll stick with it. Maybe we'll go back to the old way next year. But Tuesday will be the NFL recap. 
I'm going to recap the entire week uh, of the NFL and talk about the league. And then, you know, Thursday, I think, I haven't decided yet if Thursday will be the preview day. Uh, if we'll do the NFL on Thursday and then we'll do our uh, preview on Friday or if we'll do the the, the the interview with the guest and everything will be Thursday and then the NFL preview will be Friday. Right now, that's kind of where uh, I'm leaning towards. So we're going for a different format, but I'm trying to – I want to envelop the whole league because to tell you the truth, one of the most fun things that I did last season was when I had Ross Jackson – on the show just before training camp. And he and I basically did a deep dive on the entire league. We covered both conferences. We did a show for the AFC a show for the NFC. We did two and a half hours for each conference previewing all 32 teams. And, and I just really had a lot of fun talking about something other uh, than the bears. So I thought maybe I would give that a try this year. Monday will be for the Bears. Tuesday will be for the league. And right now I'm deciding, like right now it's leaning towards Thursday is for the Bears. Friday is for the league. Preview everything else. And actually Thursday would probably, or Friday would probably be a good one to like, oh, and here's what went down on Thursday night football. And here's the rest of the league. Maybe I'll do some picks and things like that. So just uh, keep your eyes on that. And, and And for certain guys, I would love to hear what you think about that. You know, what you think of how it's going, especially when we get started. Week one, week two, let me know, does the NFL thing work for you? Does it not? You know, that kind of thing. Because, you know, there's no rules here. I could stop midseason if <laughs> if it's not going well. But, uh, you know, it's something I wanted to try, something I wanted to kind of get, get back into covering the whole league again, uh, like I used to do back in the day when I had a show called Sports Talk Underground. We talked about the entire NFL, not just the Bears and things like that. So, that's my little announcement uh, for the future of the show going into 2022. So that's all we got for now. So when we go ahead and uh, make way for our guest, it's uh, Dave Myers from Built in Buffalo helping us preview the 2022 Buffalo Bills here on the Bearstalk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial Our fourth and final stop through the AFC East takes us up to Buffalo and uh, Buffalo, New York, and the defending AFC East champion, Buffalo Bills. And here to help us preview the 2022 Bills from Built in Buffalo, our new friend, Dave Myers. Dave, how are we doing? I'm doing good, Larry. How are you, man? This is this is going to be awesome. When you, um, when you messaged me, I was kind of taken back. I mean, I was absolutely um, thrilled to have to be able to do this because I don't get to talk to too many um, besides the AFC East, obviously, but I don't yeah. get to talk to too many um, fans of other teams, especially, you know, NFC teams. So I'm really excited um, and I'm thrilled to be here. So I think this is going to be fun. Great. Well, you know, I, I like to reach out like th- during this time of year, this vast wasteland that is the off season between the draft and training camp. Uh, that's when I use this time to do our opponent previews. And I kind of do this as a way of introducing our opponents to our to my listeners, to Bear fans who probably don't know Buffalo aside from a few games they saw, depend you know, uh, including that uh, amazing divisional game that I'm sure we'll talk about here uh, in just a minute. But um, you know, to kind of dig deeper to find out you know the nuts and bolts of the team from someone who loves their team like we love ours. So um, that's why I, I bring it because I could, you know, read this stuff in a magazine and, you know, go off of what I know and what I've learned on the internet and everything. Why not ask somebody who lives it every day? Like I live the bears. So, 
um, that's how I, I got to, uh, to doing this. So uh, I'm glad you can join us and uh, help us out with the, uh, the Bills, one of the more intriguing teams uh, last year. You know, went on a crazy, uh, crazy run, and we'll just jump right to the end because the, the schedule pretty much went the way that it should last year, except for that 9-6 to six loss to Jacksonville. That's the only one I can't reconcile. Um, you know, that, that week one loss to the Steelers, it's like, yeah, that's – when that happened I- – Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I was like, okay. Now, is this how the season's going to go, or is this one of those week one flukes, and the further we got away from it, it was one of those week one flukes because the Bills were who they were supposed to be, and the Steelers ended up being who we all thought they would be. Um, but aside from that, you know, the Buccaneers, the Patriots, and that crazy weather game, you know, and then the Jets week 18, okay, you're phoning it and getting ready for the playoffs, that kind of thing, <laughs> that makes sense. But that 9-6 loss to Jacksonville, what happened there? I think that's just one of those games, and it's funny because um, on one of our live shows that we have on our YouTube channel, I was doing a schedule breakdown, you know, kind of doing content like it was right now. It was in between, you know, mini camp and training camp, and we were doing a schedule breakdown. You know, we were doing predictions and whatnot, all kinds of stuff. And for some reason, the Jacksonville game, and I even have the video evidence, the Jacksonville game stuck out to me as one of those like sore thumb games. I don't know if it was at the time when I made the prediction, if it was the unknown of Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne at the time before he got injured was, you know, was looking good. It was just one of those games that you're not supposed to, to lose, but you're not supposed to win. It's just one of those weird games. And then throughout the game, there was just a lot of things that were happening that wasn't typical Bills football. There yeah. was some in-game, in-game management things from Sean McDermott that I wasn't a fan of. There was some things that Josh Allen was doing that was very reminiscent of 2018, even a little bit of 2019, Josh, where he was forcing plays, and you could tell he was getting frustrated. He wasn't getting any help from anybody else on offense. They were dropping passes. There was no run game. Offensive line at that point hadn't started to gel yet. So it was just one of those games where there was no – you weren't getting any bounces. You weren't getting anything, you know, going the right way. They could have got a turnover a couple times, dropped interceptions, or, or, or there was a fumble that they, they could have easily recovered, but it went out of bounds. I mean, there's a lot of things that any other time, the Bills and the Jaguars, the Bills get those 9 out of 10. And this game was just – and to hear about that game for so long after the game happened, because yeah. that game 
ultimately the Bills would have been 12 and 5 instead of 11 and 6 and they could have had um, going into the last week of the season could have been playing for home field advantage which I don't know if that makes the Bills Chiefs game any different if it's in Buffalo but um, that game did uh, you know put a lot on the rest of the season and it was the next week they came out and you know I believe the next game if I if I if I remember right I believe the next game was it the was, was it the uh, Saints it was the Jets, forty-five to seventeen. The Jets, yeah, it was the Jets game where they came out and they just absolutely blew the doors off the Jets, and you can tell that was the one where Josh Allen was just completely, you know, done with hearing about the nine to six and this is 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 this the Bills or or who who are the Bills? Because there's a lot of times throughout the season, and I don't mean to take this all like off the rails here, but um, there was a lot of times throughout the season last year where the Bills would have these games. You mentioned the Pittsburgh game. And it was like, okay, it's the first game of the season. They they got to get things starting to gel. You know, there's some new moving parts on the offensive line, um, some new um, young players on the defensive line and the rotation. So I get that. But then there was games. You know, they beat Miami. They shut out Miami. They shut out Houston. Not great teams, but they they still shut them out. And then there was times when they played good teams like the Colts, and they just got ran over. Yeah. Um, you talked about the Patriots game and the weather with the with the 55 mile an hour wind, where the Patriots ran the ball 43 times and the Bills couldn't stop it, and that happened. And everybody's talking about, oh, the Patriots are back. So there was some time throughout the season where it it looked like things were spiraling, you know, in the wrong direction. But then they would go on a two to three game win streak, and then I think the actual team that we thought they were going to be was the team that showed up. Towards the end of the season, they put a nice win streak together. They absolutely blew out New England um, in the wild card game. They yeah. didn't punt once. Um, and then that Chiefs game, probably one of the best games, unfortunately, that I've ever you know witnessed. Thirteen seconds away from going, and I believe they would have beat the Bengals in Buffalo. But, yeah, but too. So I mean, yeah. So to to bring it all around circle, the Jaguar game, the Jaguars game was one of those games where. I think all teams that are good have that. It's just nothing goes right. Game plan's not great. Things don't bounce your way. You don't get turnovers. A few stupid penalties here and there that kind of cost you some opportunities on offense. So, I don't know. That's 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 about it. A lot of us Bills fans have talked about that Jaguars game probably for since it's happened. And it's, it's one of those um, black eyes on the 2021 season. Well, when I when I think about that game, it, it reminds me a lot of the 2018 matchup between the Bears and the Dolphins, where we were under the impression that the Bears were this kind of team, and then after because of the, we're coming off a bye, playing Miami in Miami, it's 171,000 degrees in Miami. It's fall <laughs> in Chicago, so we're not dealing yeah. with that at all. You know, right. it's cooling down in Chicago. We're getting nice brisk. 60, maybe 70, maybe 70 degree weather at that point in October. <laughs> We're coming off a 48 to 10 thrashing of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who at the start of the 2018 season were the world's greatest offense. We held them to 10 points and we almost put a 50 burger on them. Trubisky yeah. throws six touchdown passes in that game. So we think we're one team. We're on it. We're on a, an ascent. We go down to Miami and lose to the Dolphins. And it was, it was the, it was the weather. It was, you know, Nagy's inability to get this team ready to come off of a bye. It was, you know, in my opinion, those god-awful goddamn orange jerseys that we wear every once in a while, I, I think they're, they're, they're a cancer. I would burn them 
Hadley, just bat, like a good old-fashioned book burning. Just throw them in the middle, light them on fire, and I'll dance around like a crazy Indian. I, am, I hate those jerseys so much. And we never play well when we wear them, ever. So um, That's funny because, and I don't mean to catch up, but that's, that's funny, funny because the Bills, when we wear the white jerseys and blue pants, we don't play well. <laughs> and it's one of those things when the Bills social media team releases, you know, hey, Sunday, this is what we're wearing. And if it's the white and the blue, you should see Bill's social media. It's like, no, no, yeah. please do something other than that. Blue on blue, blue jersey, white pants, all white, whatever. Just don't do that because we don't play well for whatever reason. It's, it's just one of those things, I guess, like the orange jerseys for the Bears. Yeah, I, I just hate the orange jerseys. I, and trust me, I'm, I'm not alone, but I'm also uh, not leading the pack because my listeners love to tease me about the orange jerseys. Um <laughs> Yeah, you should see like my my Facebook uh, group. Whenever somebody gets a new jersey, somebody got a new Justin Fields jersey in orange. I'm like, burn it immediately. Oh. You wasted your money. So oh, that's man, an that's eyesore. Funny. It looks absolutely awful. We're the Chicago <laughs> Pumpkins, not the Chicago Bears. Get rid of that. So, but I mean, it it, it kind of reminded me of that game where it's just like we were four and one or three and one going into that game. You know, we're coming off this huge win. The Dolphins are struggling to put anything together. And then Brock Osweiler, of all people, throws for 380 and three touchdowns on what ended up being the number one defense in the NFL that year. Yeah. It's just one of those games where you can throw out throw out the records, throw out the rules. The, the rules don't apply to this game because everything that shouldn't have happened did, and the Bears ended up uh, losing that game. So that's kind of what that Jacksonville game sounds like, also including the fact that, you know, Jacksonville is also about a mile or two away from the sun as well. So I'm sure that game was hotter than <laughs> Buffalo was used to at that point in the year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because we play – the Bills typically will play the Dolphins. They, they've they reversed it. The Bills used to play um, in Miami in the the, winter, the later part of the season in December, and they would have Miami come up to Buffalo in, like, September. So they've kind of flipped it to where the Bills are going down there to play Miami, you know, weeks like one through four. And it's, you could just see Josh Allen is just, he's sweating gravy. It's like <laughs> a thousand degrees. They're all getting oxygen on the sidelines. They're just like drenched, like completely soaked through their, their uniforms. Yeah. So yeah, it's, and I've been down to Miami for a game in September and it's disgusting. And the, the opposing team, uh, the, the opposing team's bench is directly in the sunlight yeah. for most of the game. Yeah, it's, I know. it's absolutely insane. Because my aunt and uncle were actually at that game in 2018, and they sat on the Baird sideline, and they were about four shades darker at the end of that game because yeah. <laughs> they were under direct sunlight from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. You know when it was about 106 yeah. degrees outside that day. I mean, and as they say, it's not the heat; it's the humidity, and they'll kill you with the humidity uh, yeah, in Florida. So they can bad. be unbearable. Trust me. Um, oh yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about that, that divisional game. I mean, they, they come off an absolute drubbing of the Patriots. They don't punt. They, Josh Allen throws for 600 yards and nine touchdowns, and they just absolutely <laughs> run the Patriots off the field, which had to feel good, um, you know, considering the, the way that the Patriots kind of left the field after that Monday night game. Um, you know, not, yeah. I mean, you, you got your revenge in New England a few weeks later, but being able to yeah. do it, in Buffalo to do it the way you did it, 30-point margin, you know, sending yeah. the Patriots home like they didn't deserve to be there had to feel pretty yeah. good. I think that that was the, the current players, and I think 
you know, we talk a lot. Bills fans talk a lot about Josh Allen and how he's a right fit um, for the city because it's a blue collar city. Um, a lot of the quarterbacks that have come through there don't have the certain, I don't want to say moxie because that's, that term is used a lot, but he gets it. He gets what this team's been through. I mean, we didn't make the playoffs for 17 years. Yeah. And I think that what he did and a lot of the other players, what they were able to do now, it being new England made it that much better. Um, they, they, they held in all of our animosity towards Tom Brady the New England Patriots just being the redheaded stepchild of the AFC East to Tom Brady for, you know, 18, 19 plus years. And it just all came out on the field. I mean, he could not do anything wrong. Yeah. Um, the touchdown to Dawson, to Dawson Knox in the end zone, he was trying to throw the ball away. And a lot of the other stuff, the interception by Micah Hyde, I, that's probably one of the best interceptions and I'm not being a homer, but that's probably one of the best interceptions I have ever seen how he just turned on the ball and went and took it from Nelson Aguilar, that was absolutely insane. So um, it felt good. There was a lot of bragging about it, and, of course, Patriots fans would always come back with the Super Bowl rings, and we owned you for 18 years. It's okay, you guys. This was your Super Bowl and stuff like that, and that's fine. We'll own that. Um, but it was it was nice. It was nice to see, especially since everybody, after they beat us in that win game, everybody in the media, um, everybody on social media was crowning the Patriots as being back as the AFC East, um, you know, ringleaders or the champs again. And then obviously we went down and took care of business a couple weeks later, but it was a good feeling. It was a really good feeling to, you know, the bills have been to the playoffs for the last five years and, you know, losing to the chiefs the previous year um, in the AFC championship game, the way they did, they played miserably. Um, but starting the playoffs that way, I think there was a lot of, the Josh Allen haters, I think, were starting to realize, holy cow, this guy is on another level. He's can, he's doing things that quarterbacks shouldn't do, not just making pretty throws, not just throwing on the run, not just escaping the pocket, not just, you know, scrambling and, and you know, the design run plays and stuff like that. But he's doing things that quarterbacks, typically his size, are not supposed to do. So, um it's it's it was exciting. It was it was nice the week leading to the Chiefs because the Chiefs have the Bills number um, was intense. It was very um, I don't want to say very anxious, but it was one of those. Are we going to play like we did last year in the AFC Championship game? Or are we going to play like we did when we beat them in the regular season? Right. So you know it, it was it was nice. It was it was nice to especially since it was the Patriots because I don't know anybody other than Patriots fans that don't, you know, don't like watching the Patriots get beat. So, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was a return to, to Kansas city. Uh, you'd beat them on national TV, 38 to 20 week number five, uh, in this, in earlier in the season. And, you know, here we go. We're, we're back to, we're back to Arrowhead and, you know, it was, um, one of the more exciting uh, football games that I've ever seen. Um, and it was um, a game where, you know, where, where you're, you're, you're running up your phone bill, texting everybody, you know, to me, <laughs> are, are you watching this? B, did you see that? You know, uh, that kind of thing. And I'm a cord cutter, so I'm streaming, which means that I'm about 30 seconds behind anyone who's watching yeah. the game. Uh, like on cable or satellite or something like that, which meant that my buddy was literally spoiling the game for me 
because he oh, would man. text me, oh, my God, what an amazing catch. And I'd be like, what? They're still in the huddle. What are you talking about? And then, boom, <laughs> that, that wide, you know, when they were at the end of the game and, and Allen hit that guy wide open in the back of the end zone for a yeah. touchdown on, like, fourth and forever. You know, I was like, yeah. geez, how did that happen? I mean, they literally just let him walk right by him, and he was wide open yeah. in the back of the end zone. Then the Tyreek yeah. Hill play, then, you know, coming back again and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It was just an amazing back and forth. I mean, things like this is why I love football were the things that you're sending back and forth to your friends watching a game like this. Yeah, when the Bills were down two scores and I was you know, I'm we have a huge group chat with all the Bills and Buffalo guys and you know, the Bills were down, I think it was 26-15 and the Bills were had just gotten the ball and we were texting saying, if we don't do anything on this drive, this game is probably over. And literally, I put my phone down, walked in the kitchen to grab a beer, walked back to the TV, and it was Josh Allen had just hit Gabe Davis for a 75-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I didn't even know what to say because that type of stuff is not supposed to happen. Like, this is – you know what I mean? Like, the, that's one of those plays, like, when your team – at that point, the Bills weren't playing great. They were playing all right. They weren't. They weren't playing great, and it was the Chiefs. And there was this whole aura about, oh my gosh, it's the Chiefs, and you know they have our number and this and that. And that happened, and I was like, holy shit, we can we can do this. Like it, it took him 13 seconds to put us back within a field goal, and then they got the ball back. They held the Chiefs, got the ball back, and then they took the lead. And I was like, oh my god. What is happening? Then the Chiefs scored again, and then the Bills had that fourth and forever, and Gabe Davis runs just a simple, just a simple seam route, yep. and the guy I don't know what happened to the defender. He, he fell down. He he read the route wrong or whatever. And Thirteen seconds, and I looked at my wife's son, who is a huge Patrick Mahomes fan, which it breaks my heart, but because um, you know for whatever reason he likes Patrick Mahomes, but um, I look at him and I'm like. Oh, dude, there's 13 seconds. I don't know what they can do it in 13 seconds. They just need a field goal. I, I don't know if they can do it. And I was like nervous. I'm like, they left too much time on the clock, but it was fourth down. I don't, they had no choice. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was crazy. And over the 13 seconds was, was, it, it's been talked about in social media, Bills social media, people come and ask for the Bills because the Bills are widely ranked number one in all these power rankings, which I hate. I like when we're the underdogs. But um, the 13 seconds was – it's something that is hard to go back and watch. Yeah. It's extremely hard because as content creators, and you know you have to sometimes watch games that, that are painful. Mm. You have to watch games and plays that are are not fun, and that was – definitely watching to try to explain to our fan base, you know, that might not know what the heck happened in 13 seconds, what was going on. Um, it was, it's hard. It's still hard to watch. And we're talking, it's been f- uh, four months, five months. And it's one of those things. Hopefully they learn, they address, they adapt and they, and they move on, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it was, um, you know, an amazing uh, back and forth. Uh, I was pulling for, uh, Buffalo. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that the game went the way that it did, uh, especially with the, you know, the overtime period and the, you know, the chiefs take, you know, 
basically deciding the Bills' season on a coin toss because nobody was stopping anybody at that point in the game. The defenses were exhausted. Right. Nobody's got anything left in the tank. It was <clears throat> it was basically going to come down to the coin right. toss, and that was basically, you know, anybody who was in favor of the rule change, that was one of the things that they said was that at the end of the game, there's there's they, they, you know they got nothing left. I mean, especially in that game. It became a track meet there at the end right. with Tyreek Hill, you know, running up and down the field and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just like the defense just – I don't know what it is about defenses. They get so worn out probably because they're reacting uh-huh. instead of being the ones knowing what they're doing and kind of thing. Takes right. a little extra uh, out of you uh, and everything. But it's like, you know, those defenses don't have anything left. Kansas City went right down the field uh, and scored that touchdown. And it was unfortunate the Bills weren't able yeah. to answer – and and see you know what would happen, especially in that ball game. They kept going back and forth. I mean, it was what everybody wanted to see, which was Allen and Mahomes deciding the fate of their football teams, just leading them down the field, right. up and down. You know, this shootout that we've all been dreaming about since these guys got drafted in 2017 and 2018. To, you know, for the for it to get to this point, to see these guys playing right. a game like this and go back and own it the way that they did, and in a lot of people's opinion, the game got cut short because. Allen didn't get a chance to answer. Yeah. Yeah, and you can <clears> – <throat> right after the coin toss, they followed Allen from center, you know, in the middle of the field. They followed him all over the side on the camera. You could tell he was, he was pissed off. He's like, we're not going to win because I'm not going to get the ball. Yeah. Because at that point, like you said, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> there was – every possession each team was, was getting towards the end of the game, they were, they were either getting a touchdown or a field goal. And it's unfortunate – that it went the way it went, but we could have been. We as Bills fans have to remember too that we wouldn't have said anything if Allen got the ball, went right down the field, and scored. We still probably would be saying it was the greatest game, you know, not just in in playoff history, but potentially ever, because we would have been on the right side of it. So Josh Allen was very, I think, level-headed when they interviewed him after the game. Yes, he took a shot and said, "I wish I would have got the ball," but he said if I would have got the ball, we probably would have scored. Um, and so he, he, you got to kind of take a look at it both ways. And it's funny, you know, that they changed the rule and they're, they're now, there's a, there's a running joke out there in a lot of the social media world that it's the Allen rule um, because Josh Allen didn't get the ball. It's not, you know, any other name of the rule, but I just, I think they got it right the way that they've, formulated it to where at least each team gets the ball and, and gets a chance to score six. I mean, I think that's the way to do it. Um, I don't think that the way they have it now or the way they had it before um, they just changed it was necessarily wrong. I'm probably a lot more upset about it because it happened to my team, right? which I think if any NFL fan, it happened to their team, they'd be like, change the rules. This is yeah, terrible. Of each team should have a chance. Um, <clears throat> so I can see both sides of it. I'm, I'm glad they did change it because I think it will make for more, um, more exciting football. Um, because they were throwing around stats that there hasn't been a ton of times where this has happened in, in, in the playoffs. There hasn't been a ton of games decided by, well, one team got the ball and the other team didn't, or one team got the ball score, you know, didn't score. The other team got a field goal. There hasn't been a ton of these games. There's been a handful, um, you know, to, to talk about, but, I think they got it right. Um, there was a ton of stuff that was proposed out there. I know Brandon Bean had a, a scenario that he thought would, would work too and a bunch of the other GMs out there. So 
I, I definitely think it'll make it more exciting. And then you, you mentioned, you know, finally being excited to see Mahomes and Allen. Um, I, I think that going forward, um, and I don't, I don't want it to be Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning, which is what everybody's trying to call it, the next Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning, because yeah. Peyton Manning wasn't on the, the right side of that, you know, head-to-head, uh, if we're talking rings. Um, so it, it's going to be fun. I think um, you saw the embrace. I mean, Patrick Mahomes stopped celebrating to make sure he went to go find Josh. Um, everybody, I think, has seen that footage of him running through the crowd to go find him and embrace him. Um, and then you could tell the camaraderie between those guys when they played um, in the match a few weeks ago against Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers that those guys are genuinely respectful of each other and, and care about each other. So it should be fun. The Bills play the Chiefs this year so um, during the regular season. So we might get another preview of, of things to happen in the postseason. And I, th- I was in favor <laughs> of the, the rule change uh, as well. Um, and, and I think the NFL got it right when they only changed the playoffs that right. the regular season overtime was left alone and that this was just a caveat that was for the playoff games only that that's what I want. I didn't want the, the NFL to overhaul the, you know, across the board overtime, uh, system. I just wanted it to be the, the playoffs. These are, you know, never say die. There is no tomorrow football games. You know, we want to we right. want to be sure, you know, in, in my opinion. And right. I think that, you know, giving the other team and another possession um, if the other team scores a touchdown, I think it, you know, go will go a lot of way will, to knowing for sure that the, the right team won and, and, you know, that kind of thing, especially in a football game like that, where it's just like at the end of the game, they were just going up and down the field. Uh, on each other and the the defense was on the field because they had to be not because they wanted to be I mean they were worn <laughs> to the bone at that point uh in the game you know so I I think this th- yeah. that was the, the the caveat was that only doing it for the playoffs was the way to go and and I think too and think about it this way who knows how much longer that game would have went if Allen got the ball went down scored matched the touchdown Chiefs might have come back down and scored Allen gets the ball again. You know what I'm saying? Like, we yeah. don't know how long that game could have been, you know, how long that game could have been. So <clears throat> there's a lot of people that were saying that too, as they were trying to be, you know, opposing of the change was, well, what if the Bills scored and then the Chiefs scored again and then the Bills scored? Like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? And, and I get, I get that argument, but God, that would have been exciting. Like that would have well, been I mean, really, it's to me, it's the answer is simple. It would have all depended on what the Chiefs did because they didn't have to kick an extra point or go for two afterwards. Yeah. So if they score a right. touchdown and then they kick an extra point, we would have found out. Because if the Buffalo Bills go all the way down the field, they're going to go for two. They're going to try yeah, to get this exactly. game over with. They're not going to look to tie it up and give the ball back to Kansas City. To hell with that. Right. You know, they're right. going to go for two. Exactly. So that's what would have happened. Exactly. If the Bills score, then they're <laughs> either tying it up because Kansas City went for two and got it, or Kansas City kicked the extra point and they're going for two to win it. So the only way right. it keeps going is if they keep tying each other. And I know that Buffalo probably would have did everything <laughs> in their power to not give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. Right. So right. Um, that, that was I always agree. my argument with it when people would try to, well, what if the Bills scored? Then it would have depended on what the <laughs> Chiefs did with that touchdown. Right. Them scoring right. the game, that was the end of it. They didn't have to kick an extra point right. or go for two or anything like that. So Buffalo right. gets the ball and they go down and score like pretty much everybody thinks they would have. Then it would have all come down to – you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 
I'm not a Bills fan, but I'm sure McDermott's going for two. He's going for two. Oh, yeah. He's getting the game over with. We're getting the hell out of here. We're either winning or we're losing one way or the other. The game ends now. And, right. you know, I agree. that's how we would have known what, what, what would happen. That's, what, that's exactly what would have happened. So they're not going to play it safe and give the ball back to Mahomes. To hell with that. No way. No way. Right. So, <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. So we go into the, into the uh, offseason. We get into the uh, free agency uh, period. And in a move I don't think a lot of people saw coming, uh, Von Miller becomes a Buffalo Bill instead of sticking with the champs and, and you know, with staying with the Rams and uh, f- somehow helping the Rams add another $20 million a year player and still be under the cap at the same time. He goes to Buffalo and uh, joins this team to try to help uh, do what he did in L.A. with the Bills. Yeah, it's funny because back at the trade deadline last year, there was some rumblings um, going around that the Bills were trying to get Von Miller at the, at, at the deadline to try to make a run. And I don't know what the price tag was. Um, and if you're if you're a fan base with Bears fans or yourself, you don't know too much about Brandon Bean. He's very stingy with draft picks or draft capital, as he likes to call it. Um, he doesn't like to give them up unless it's an absolute sure thing um, or he's making out in it. He knows what the value of the draft pick is as opposed to the value of the player he'll be um, trading with. So that happened, and, and then we all had to watch him go and play alongside Aaron Donald, which was, to be honest, if you're a football fan, it's, it's exciting. Um, if you're not a fan of the Rams, it sucks because those two guys together were absolutely dominant. They decided the game at the end of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller absolutely decided. Because if you, if you go back and watch film on – the last drive that the Bengals had the ball, the coverage was blown on the last play of the game. And the wide receivers were just running down the field because I believe that Sean McVay had that much faith. Now, I don't know how it was called, but if you go back and watch, the wide receivers are open. It's just that Joe Burrow had no time to do anything with the ball. Right. Because Vaughn Miller was right there and Aaron Donald was there. You know, he, he didn't have any time to throw it. So I think. Trying to compare this move, which on the surface when I saw the contract, I was like, he's not playing until he's 39. And then the details came out that basically it's a three-year guaranteed $54 million contract. Okay, I can see Vaughn Miller. He's in great shape. He can play until he's 36. Um, But when the Bills acquired Stephon Diggs, I think he was that guy that put Josh Allen over the hump. Sure. Um, There's there's the old, you know, conversation that's still being had by a lot of other fan bases out there that who made who did Diggs make Josh? Did Josh make Diggs better? It doesn't matter to me. They're a good pair. You know, they, they work well with each other. So I think by getting Vaughn Miller, he's a guy who's been in, he's won two Super Bowls. He absolutely closed out this Super Bowl. He's a closer that the Bills desperately need. They lost to the Chiefs in the AFC championship game a couple seasons back because they couldn't get to Mahomes. Mahomes goes on to play the Buccaneers he can't get a throw off the entire game right. because they chased him down because they had the athletes to do that on defense where the Bills just didn't. They have a great secondary. They have decent pass rushers, a decent line, decent linebackers, but they didn't have that guy in the big game situation that could close out games, and that's what they got with Vaughn Miller. I, the, the contract, it, it is what it is. You know, If he comes in and he helps not just the defense performance-wise, but if he – 
teach these guys some things that are going to help them. You know, the Gregory Rousseau's, the Boogie Basham's, A.J. Epinesa's, Ed Oliver's. If he teaches these young guys, you know, work ethic and preparation and watching film and, and all this stuff, that's worth it right there. Because I think we're going to get, you know, the production from Vaughn Miller on the field. I think we're absolutely – I don't know if you remember, but the Bills had a player in Lorenzo Alexander who was kind of bounced around the league. He played defensive tackle for a while. The Bills had him in, back in 2015, 2016. He retired after the 2017 season. The Bills basically just put him out there. He was considered a linebacker, but they just put him out there and said, go get the quarterback. He wasn't part of the defensive end rotation. So I think that's what you're going to get from Vaughn Miller. He's technically listed as a linebacker, but he's also an edge rusher. So I think they're going to get him out there to show these guys this is how you beat tackles. This is how you beat this. This is how you beat, you know, a zone run scheme. This is plus he's good against the run. So I think that's gonna help. And the Bills are super young up front. And I think that that's he's gonna help these guys for the next couple of years. You know, we're gonna find out how good these guys are because Vaughn Miller's gonna create such a command on the whatever side he decides to line up on that these other guys should be free to wreak havoc. And we're going to find out if all, all these first-round draft picks that we spent on the defensive line over the last three years are going to pan out. So I, th- I think it's a win. I mean, the contract is what it is. You know, Brandon Bean doesn't throw out huge contracts that often. Um, I was sitting on my phone all day waiting for Chandler Jones to sign with the Bills, only to find out that he went to the Raiders, right. um, which I don't know what he saw there that was more – you know, enticing to him than going to the Bills because the Bills were in contact with him for two days. Um, and it was apparently down to the Bills, um, I believe, another AFC team I'm, I'm not sure of, and the Raiders, and he ended up choosing the Raiders. So um, at the end of the day, I think we won out. I think we got the better pass rusher. We got a guy who's going to be amazing in that locker room. Um, he's a great guy off the field. Um, he had the pass rush summit, you know, a couple weeks ago, and all the Bills guys were there. So they're already learning, and he's already leading by example. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's definitely one of those uh, acquisitions that can uh, that will uh, get you ready for the for the up- upcoming season. You know, like if you weren't excited about it now, uh, you might have to motor, right. you have to have your motor checked uh, after you sign uh, one of the rare <laughs> defensive Super Bowl MVPs that are out there. So it doesn't happen uh, often, and when it does, that means that the guy absolutely took over the game. If a defensive player has won MVP, he took over the game. And that's what Miller did in Super Bowl 50 when they shut down uh, Newton uh, and the Panthers. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's what he can help uh, Buffalo do uh, on their way to the the Super Bowl. So the rest of your free agent signings, you got some interesting names on here. Roger Saffold, uh, the guard from uh, Tennessee, uh, signed O.J. Howard uh, away from the Tampa Bay fucking years um ryan bates let's talk about ryan bates because yes we assigned him to an offer sheet and we thought that was as good as done because supposedly buffalo didn't have the cap space to match it and then sure enough <laughs> they match it ruining ryan Poles' plans to bring ryan bates in to be our new starting right guard ryan bates is like a unicorn um a lot of other fan bases don't know a lot about Ryan Bates other than watching him down the stretch last year and in the playoffs. He, he played really well. Um, he's been on the team for three years. 
Yeah. He can play all five spots on the line, which, again, that's why I call him a unicorn, because he's played all five spots on the line at some point, either whether it be just a couple snaps, um, you know, to, to spill an injury or something. Um, he can play center. Um, he's actually not a bad center. I think that he's probably our best bet at backup center right now. Um, but I was concerned that he wasn't coming back because it took the Bills forever to figure out that he was a really good guard. Like, he was a really good guard. And he maybe it was because he was in the system for a while. Um, and uh, I don't know, a lot of fans don't know, but offensive linemen, either when they're drafted or when they're on a new team that has different offensive schemes, it takes them a while to be able to understand, you know, the position because there's a lot of different moving parts, right? Not every offense is the same. So there's a lot of things. You may have played left tackle in college, but in the pros, you might be a really good left guard Mm -hmm. um, and vice versa. So it's, you know, he played some in 2018 or 2019. He played a little bit 2020, but it wasn't anything that was important snaps um, to where we relied on him. It was either a guy was out for a couple in, a, a couple snaps for an injury, or it was the end of the season and the Bills were already in the playoffs, so he was he was getting the second half snaps at guard or tackle or wherever they decided to put him. But um, I was concerned he wasn't coming back. To be honest with you, it was taking forever, and. It, there, there was a huge thing. It was uh, signing Rick Bates was a hashtag on, on Twitter that was trending for a while because people were like, oh, my gosh, he's not coming back. Now we got to figure out what we're doing at right guard. we got Saffold. Are we going to move Saffold over to right guard? But he was a pro bowler at left guard with Tennessee, so what are we doing? Um, but he's one of those guys that Sean McDermott loves because he was here forever. He works hard. He's a... He's a lunch pail guy, you know, bring the lunch pail to work. Um, he's faith-based. He's a guy who's always, you know, been in good shape. He's always been in the locker room. So when they gave him a four-year deal, I was like, all right, I guess Ryan Bates is our, you know, future right guard for the next four years. And what's really irritating is that they're talking about seeing if he'll fit better at left guard and moving Saffold to right guard, which I don't know. It's just it's one of those things that's going to drive me nuts. McDermott always waits till like the very last preseason game to figure out the offensive line, and it it, it irritates the shit out of me every year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it was funny watching Bears Twitter during that whole episode, where you know um, it became known that Ryan Bates was on Ryan Poles' uh, radar, that the Bears were interested in him, and then when he signed an offer sheet, you think that we had just signed the second coming. Of, of Quentin Nelson or something, but the way that, that a lot of Bear fans just kind of freaked out about, oh, we, we signed him, we got him, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now it's, you know, Buffalo's got X amount of days to answer the offer sheet, and people are talking, you right. know, they don't have the cap space, they're going to have to let him go, blah, 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 blah. And then when he signed, or when Buffalo matched the offer, I should say, you know, yeah. you it's it just like, what what? I was excited that we signed him, um, but, you know, this isn't like the guy who's played every snap of every game that he's ever been in in his NFL career. Right. This, we're basically going on potential right now. We're, we're getting him because he's cheap. He isn't, 
he isn't going to be one of those guards like uh, what's his name that Jackson Brandon Scherf signed him for eighteen million a season down in Jacksonville. Right. This is not one of those guys. Right. You know, we're signing him. I think four, maybe five million a season at the most, and. You know, that's who we're, we're bringing in. We're bringing in a guy that that's going to play to try to get one of those $18 million contract. We're yeah. bringing him in because we can get him for four, five million. If he was a $20 million a year guard, we're not even calling him right now. So, yeah. you know, the, the fact that people were celebrating in the streets when we signed him to the offer sheet and then act being just <laughs> devastated when Buffalo matched the offer. I was like, yeah, it sucks that we let him go or that we didn't get him, I should say, but what did we really lose? You know, it's like, come on. We don't even know if yeah, he was going to be as good as he was in Buffalo. Cause he's not on the same team anymore, but right. you know, it's like, there's a lot of unknowns out there. I was excited and I was upset when we lost them, but it wasn't the extreme one end of the other that I saw a lot of on bears Twitter that week. So I went back because Bill's Twitter was going crazy we're going to lose Ryan Bates. We call him Rick Bates because that's what Josh Allen calls him. <laughs> and I went back. I went back and watched. I think the last three games of the season, he absolutely was. He was working the defensive line against the Patriots. I mean, everything was working that game. So that's kind of hard to um, say. But he he played well. Um, now. The funny thing is, is if the Bills didn't match it for whatever reason, you know, the money, whatever it was, they decided it wasn't going to be the right deal. Obviously, Brandon Bean loves it because he gave a four-year deal. Um, our draft would be would have been completely different than what it was, um, which had me very nervous because Tredavious White is out for we don't know how long he's coming back from the ACL. Probably Thanksgiving, it looks like he's going to be back. So we need a cornerback, right? Um, we need a running back. Oh, God, by the way, now we need a starting right guard. So, I mean, it, it, it alleviated a lot of the stress of what are we doing? We have, you know, a $258 million quarterback. Um, we got to figure this out. So I'm just – I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's – you guys would have liked him. I mean, he's 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 a mauler. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you right now, he's a mauler. Um, but he's not – overwhelming if that makes any sense yeah. he's not that guy who just you watch the film and you're like every other snap you're like holy shit look at him pull on this play <laughs> you know i mean he, he has his moments where you're like damn he blew up that guy yeah but you know but yeah i i i, I did i didn't understand the huge like everybody was going gaga over him like he was he needed to be our right guard or we would have no offensive line period type deal so yeah i get you there yeah, I mean, it, it was just, you know, funny watching Bears Twitter go back and forth uh, like that. And it was like, yeah, it's great. We got him. We don't have him yet, so everybody needs to relax because Buffalo can still match. <laughs> oh, dude, they, they don't have the cap space. They're not going to be able to sign him. They're not going to be able to match it and blah, blah, blah. They'll have to cut somebody in order to keep him and blah, blah, blah. They're not going to do that and so on and so forth. And then they go ahead and match the offer. It's like, well, there it goes. And then. You know, it was like everybody's everybody's wearing black and mourning, and you know, this is like okay, everybody calm down. <laughs> like, you know, I I, I I I liked what I saw, I liked what I heard uh, about Ryan Bates. I'm I feel like we're a lesser team because we don't have him, uh, but it's not going to be the end of the world. So I just thought it was kind of entertaining what uh, what Bears Twitter put itself through 
uh, that week. Yeah, so. you got to remember too, though. Us Bills fans, we're not used to having a competent front office, right. not just a head coach, but a general <laughs> manager. So I think a lot of us are like, he's going to do what's right for the team. If he signs them, he's going to sign them. If he doesn't sign them, he's not going to, and he's got Plan B. Um, because he's built this team, he's done exactly everything he said he would. Brandon, we're talking about Brandon Bean. He's done everything that he said he was going to do when he got here in 2017. He said, I'm going to build through the draft. I'll, I'll sprinkle in free agents when I, when I have the money. I'm going to fix this team's dead cap situation, and we're going to be contenders every year. And we're like, ah, yeah, we've heard that for 17 years, bro. Like, <laughs> come on, tell us something else. And yeah. then – of course, they draft Josh Allen, and everybody's like, oh, my God, he took the wrong Josh. Like, are you sure you didn't mean Josh Rosen? Yeah. What? This guy's a project. No way. Here we go. Yeah, we're never going to make the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. And so it's just nice to have a competent GM who's, even when it looks bleak, like there's no salary cap anywhere to be had, he makes deals work. I don't know how he does it. Um, because he doesn't kick the can so far down the road to where it's going to hurt us. Right. He's got outs and all these contracts. Same thing with Ryan Bates. There's an out in his contract after two years. So if things aren't working out or he regresses or he's just not the guy that we thought he was, there's an out clause. Same with Vaughn Miller. We can void his contract after three years. So, nice. yeah, it's nice to have somebody up front that or upstairs that's doing their homework and can put contracts together. Yeah, I'm hoping we got one of those uh, in, in Ryan Poles. I mean, he's got a pedigree coming from uh, Kansas City. He's been there since 2008, so he's seen a lot. He's been through yeah. a lot, uh, not just under one guy either. He's been under three different general managers, so he's got a lot yeah. to learn from and uh, a lot to pick and choose about who he wants to be when he gets his own team. So uh, I'm hoping that we're, we're, we're looking at the yeah. beginning stages of that on our end uh, as well. So, and... Um, well, he, he came from a good one in, in Red Beach. Red Beach is a good guy. I mean, I don't know how he's made that work because they were in trouble last year. I don't know how they were able to do what they did. They released a bunch of guys in Kansas City. Then they signed a whole new offensive line. Um, apparently, he was too stubborn, didn't want to pay Tyreek Hill. So um, we'll kind of see how it pans out. But, yeah, you, you guys have a good one. I, I think he's going to be successful. Knock on wood about that. But speaking of the uh, speaking of the draft <laughs> – um, you know, because of the Ryan Bates problem being solved, uh, you go in not needing an interior <laughs> offensive uh, lineman. Uh, so with the, with the first pick in the draft for you guys at 23, you do take the corner, uh, Kair Elam from, uh, from Florida. You do get a running back in the second round from Georgia, James Cook. And, you know, that's uh, taking care of those issues right there. Is Singletary not working out for you guys? And that's why we're taking a running back in the second round, or are we just adding to what's already there? So, so here's the thing, and I'm sure it was kind of a, a joke out there in free agency. The Bills tried to, to sign Jake, uh, J.D. McKissick, right? He signed with the Bills. It was like a done deal. J.D. McKissick is that back that Brandon Bean wanted for this offense. They wanted a back that can catch the ball, line up in the slot if needed, was a good run blocker, was quick, and could obviously run the ball. He could run the ball. Um, so they wanted they wanted a speed guy. He ended up going back to Washington for whatever reason. I don't know what happened. Um, 
And I, true, you know, true story. A friend of mine said Brandon Bean's pissed off now. He's going to go sign somebody, and then you know, a couple hours later, he signed Vaughn Miller. But <laughs> I think, I think Singletary is a guy that we already know what he is. Okay. He's good in spate, right? His hands are all right. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna kill you. You know, running routes and things like that. He's okay with screen passes. Um, he's not a speedster. He's he can't take it to the house from anywhere on the field. He just can't. Um, he's got a lot of wear and tear in his legs from college, which was one thing I was concerned about when he was drafted. Was that he's been used a lot already, and I think what the Bills' philosophy is with running backs: draft, use, rinse, repeat, draft. Use, rinse, repeat. They're not going to go after, like, there was all these rumblings that the Bills were in on um, CMC from the Panthers. Yeah. No, no they're not, they they probably called to see what it would take to get him, but I don't think it was a serious offer because Brandon Bean always calls, plus he's got ties to Carolina, all this stuff. But I think what they wanted in J.D. McKissick, they ultimately got in James Cook. Now, we got Zach Moss, who they drafted two years ago, who just hasn't really worked out. He's got he's had injury issues. He had, he's had some ball security issues. Um, he's basically just become a thumper inside like the five yard line. That's not like a red zone inside the five. You know, first and goal, second and goal guy. Um, he's had some drop issues. He's had some fumbling issues. Um, they signed Duke Johnson, which I think was just something to kind of get back somebody who can catch pass catch in case the draft didn't work out and they weren't able to get one of the guys they wanted to fall in line. Um, in the second round. Um, but Singletary down the stretch was really good. Um, <clears throat> the, the Bills went to more of a zone blocking scheme down the stretch, um, and he was able to produce really well down the stretch and, and, and in the postseason. Um, I just don't think that they want him as a long-term answer. I think that they like to put an age uh, bracket on how long they want to keep these guys for. I'm not saying they won't re-sign James Cook if he becomes the next Alvin Kamara, you know, because they will, because that would make sense. But, right. um, and I think that they wanted a nice compliment to Singletary, you know, whichever guy's hot, let's get them, let's get them going. Um, and there was some rumblings last year that Sean McDermott and Brian uh, Dable, the offensive coordinator, kind of butted heads because Dable is a passing, he's a passing offensive-minded coach. And Sean McDermott's old school. I'm going to beat you up on defense, and I want I want to run the ball. Um, now, Dable's like, no, I have really good wide receivers and an amazing quarterback that can kind of make things happen. So there was times when they ran the ball. It looks like they forced it last year, and it just wasn't working. So that ultimately they would go to five wide. It'd be over. Um, so I think they're trying to do a little bit of both. Plus, we have a new offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey, who was the quarterback's coach last year. We don't know what kind of offense he wants to run yet because we haven't seen anything in camp because we're not allowed to see that stuff anymore. Um, you know, they're not allowed to do the one-on-ones and the, the, the five-on-fives and stuff until actual camp. So I think it's kind of a mystery as the plan unfolds here. Um, but, you know, they were said to be in on a lot of the high-caliber running backs um, in the draft. So they – they went and they, they moved up to get Cooks, so they, they liked what they saw. Um, and I think that he can be an asset in this offense, and it's going to be fun to watch. All right, so Cook joins the backfield uh, out of Georgia. Um, you got Terrell Bernard in the third round, your other day two pick, a linebacker out of uh, Baylor. 
uh, Khalil Shakir, wide receiver from Boise State in the fifth round. And then you got punt god, uh, Matt Ariza from, the, uh, from San Diego State uh, in, the, uh, in the sixth round, somebody that um, was being mocked to the Bears uh, a lot because we ended up, um, Pat O'Donnell, our punter, uh, actually the rat bastard, signed with the Packers uh, in free agency. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't think Poles was going to re-sign him anyway because who wants to pay yeah. a punter three or four million dollars or whatever it was but um so i think that was always the plan but ariza was the guy that kept getting mocked to the bears and he ends up going to buffalo <laughs> yeah and uh you know he doesn't like to be called punt god um he made that clear and then he goes out to training camp and there's videos of him hitting one from the end zone and it bounces at the 10 yard line and i don't know how he does this but he punts, and it's a spiral in the air. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. So Really? Um, we have, yeah, I, I, honest to God, there's there's a viral video out there. Um, we, we, in fact, shared it all over our social media. He punts it, and it's a, and I don't know if it was just this one specific punter. That's how they all come off his foot, but it was a, it was a perfect spiral. And the guy who was supposed to receive the punt on special teams, um, Marquez Stevenson, you can see him standing there watching it just fly over his head. And it's just like, I not, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> like, I'm 30 yards away from where the ball is. So, um, I mean, we have a punter under contract. We have Matt Hack under contract, but he was horrible. He was one of the worst punters in the league last year, situationally, and just average punt distance. was He was terrible. Plus, he's not that great of a holder. So, we'll see what happens. You know, hopefully we'll, we'll, he'll get in there and he'll – He'll start kicking the crap out of the competition. No pun intended. Yeah, I um I went to school uh, college with a with a guy that ended up spending quite a bit of time uh, in the league as a punter, uh, Mike Cyphers. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, he went to Western Illinois. Ended up getting drafted by the Chargers and played there forever. Um, yeah, from like oh two I think until in like the early like the mid. I mean, he was there like twelve thirteen years. He was there for quite some time. Yeah, and um. Watching him punt in college on a day-to-day basis was bananas, and like like a like a like a punt that you just talked about. He had one like that his sophomore year, where he was in the back of the end zone and it landed eighty-five yards from where he kicked it, and then rolled out the back of the end zone. And then one game in Southern Utah, uh, where I was, and I was the fortunate cameraman who got to follow the ball off that guy's foot. Oh, nice. Um, you know, he he had kicks like that. He was a, he was our kickoff guy. He was our long field goal guy, and he was the the punter. And he was the only one double A guy from uh, in contention for the Ray Guy Award in in o two his senior year. So oh, yeah, um, he was an amazing amazing punter. So I know what it's like to be around that guy for you know for him to be the one that's booming kicks uh, all over the place. And I also know Cyphers, and he would have loved to be called Punt God. That would have been awesome uh, for him. But I don't know why why Areza doesn't like it. I think that's an awesome nickname, but uh, you know, I don't know what the deal is there. Cyphers would have loved it's it. Just like, like bad juju. Like I don't want to be called that because you're giving me like added pressure to be like the best punter in the history of ever. The video is just funny because the returners just like at midfield. Like, where he should be, because this guy's probably going to punt 50, 55 yards, right? I mean, there's no rush. It's it's practicing against air, right? 
And he's just watching it like a center fielder watch a home run go over his head. He's just like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? Like, yeah. So we'll yeah. see. We'll be, I, we hope it pans out because he, he was mocked to the Bills a lot too, but in like the fifth round. Mm-hmm. So for him to be the third punter picked, I think it's going to put some a little fuel in the fire for him. You know, I don't know how much more fuel he can have. He's a, he's a punter. I mean, he's got to kick the ball far and directionally kick it to where he wants. So yeah. we'll see. It's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Cyphers wouldn't have taken it as bad juju. He would have taken his proper praise. <laughs> I know this guy. Okay. He was a character, a character and yeah. a half in school, man. And when you're a punter, you kind of have to be, cause there's not a lot to your day in, in practice. Yeah. You go out there, right. you take some snaps, you kick the ball a little bit and then you're done. You know, you don't have right. to put in the work and, and to get the respect to your teammates, you got to kick the hell out of the ball and you got to be a clown. Yeah. And Cyphers was a clown. He was awesome uh, to be around, had a great time with him. Um, right. After his senior season, um, he was still on campus just before the draft. We had our spring game at Western and he and another one of the players were my color commentators uh, for the game. And oh, nice. trust me when I tell you that is an epic video that should go viral. Because the, the three of us in that booth just acting a fool uh, for the entire second half uh, of the game. Because nice. I invited different players into the booth to talk about, you know, guys that had graduated and stuff like that. And Cypress yeah. and a guy that I played against in high school, R.J. Luke, um, were the ones that came into the booth and, like, midway through the second quarter, stayed for the rest of the game. They were We were, oh, we were awesome. a team by the end of the game. It was awesome. But um, awesome. anyway, so let's look ahead to the schedule. Here and it's an interesting schedule that the Bills have, especially with two national TV games right off the bat. You got Thursday night football. You're opening the season at the Rams. Could it be a Super Bowl preview? Is it what the Super Bowl should have been? You know that kind of thing. Starting on Thursday okay. night football to kick off the year, and then following that up with Monday night football at home against the Titans. Yeah, I'm, I, to be honest with you, I. I don't mind the primetime games. I'm not a big fan of primetime games. I'm a big fan of 1 p.m. on Sunday games. That's preaching to the choir. Preaching to the choir. I'm in a so Bills Mafia. Bills fans. um, We were 1 p.m. Sunday team for so long, right? That when we started to get good back in 2017, 2018, 19, 20. People were like, we need to be in six primetime games. and We need to be on Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. And I was like, nah, I'm cool with them playing at 1 o'clock and look at the record that they have at, since Sean McDermott's been here at 1 o'clock. Sean McDermott's a creature of habit. Like, he's very, we do this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, not to mention with the travel involved to the West Coast to start the season. I do kind of like the mini buy that we have because then we go to Monday Night Football against the Titans, which is we got like, what, 11 days off between games? Yeah. So I like that. I just don't I don't like opening the season because the past couple years, the Bills have had some rust opening the season. I'm not saying that that's going to happen this year, but I don't want to come out – and get completely waxed by the Super Bowl champions to open the season, and then have to dig out of an own one hole on prime time. I just don't. I just don't want to do that. Now, I'm confident that the Bills will learn from the mistakes that have happened starting the season the past couple of years. But we have to be realistic. They have a new offensive line coach. They 
have a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback coach, a new DBs coach. So there's a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of moving parts up front on the defensive line. The offensive line has been kind of retooled. So there's going to be some time to work out some kinks. I just don't want to have to play the defending Super Bowl champions and then turn around and play on Monday night. Um, I don't mind primetime games because the Bills have fared okay in primetime games, but to open the season, it's tough. Um, And the fight, you know, you're playing the Super Bowl champions, right? A team that a lot of people are putting in top, you know, five, top three in the power rankings, top or number one, wherever you look. Um, And then I'm not sure about where the Titans are really at. You know, they have Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill. I'm not completely 100% sold on. Um, You know, they don't have a great wide receiving core defense. They lost some pieces. So, but it's still Monday night football. It's traveling. You've come back now from the West coast. Yes. You have a few extra days off, but it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of 1 PM on Sunday games. You know, that's, that's what our coach likes to prepare for during the week. And, that's that's just me, I guess, in a nutshell. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I mean, I, I love to see the Bears win, and I, I love to see them do well and, and win football games. But I absolutely hate the schedule that comes out the year after they have a successful season because then it's filled with 3 o'clock starts and primetime games. And for me, it's noon, uh, noon when the Bears yeah. kick off here in the Central Time Zone. So... Yep. It's the Bears at noon on Fox. I'm in. That's it. You know, I'm I'm not wanting to wait till seven o'clock on Sunday or you know right. have this ten day break because they played on Thursday and uh, all that nonsense. I don't want to have to sit through a bearless Sunday because they're playing on Monday again. Uh, that kind. Of, I want Monday. I want Sunday at noon. Sign me up. I'm in. So yep. you know, it's like the one added benefit of them not having a good season is that the majority of their schedule is Sunday at noon. Like yeah. cool. I'm in. Uh, I, I don't want to see them play a bunch of late afternoon games or prime time or anything like that. I want noon on Sunday. So, um, yeah, yeah, I prefer it's like that. The, the 2020 season was it was a weird season because that that was the COVID season. But a lot of the West Coast teams that the Bills played played in Buffalo. Um, the two two of the the West Coast teams, I should say, um, played in Buffalo at one o'clock. So. 2020 was like one o'clock, one o'clock, one o'clock, one o'clock. And the bills were just like stacking W's that year. And it was like, all right, let's just, I, I don't need primetime games. Yeah. I'm good. Right. I'm good with one o'clock, one o'clock. I know where they're going to be. Um, the one thing I will say about the Thursday night game is I'm glad it's the first game and not throughout the season when they have a short week. Um, so I'm glad that they got to play the Rams they can obviously get out there early because there's nothing else going on before then. The last preseason game, since there's only three games now, there's like two and a half weeks in between that and right. season. So I'd rather have a Thursday game to open the season than have one in the middle of the season um, to where you're playing on like two days or three days rest. So I will say I don't mind that, and then I don't mind the mini-buy after playing on Monday night against the Titans, which is the home opener, so it's going to be already crazy. Right. But uh, the NFL... Um, wants to send Buffalo on the road pretty much every week for the first six weeks because you're at at the Rams, home yep. for the Titans, then at Miami, at Baltimore, home for the Steelers, and then at Kansas City, which is actually like a 4 o'clock game uh, as opposed to Sunday night football or Thursday night or Sunday night or, or anything yep. uh, like that before a, sev- a week seven 
uh, a bye. So four out of the first six games are on the road and not the kindest places either. You got Miami in the sweltering early part of the season. You're at the world champs to start. Um, you're at Baltimore. You're at Kansas City. Places that you've won before, but also very hostile territory at the same time. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of the week seven bye. I don't like having 11 weeks after that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a big fan. On top of the fact that, I mean, maybe it will be a blessing in disguise talking about the schedule of games that they had to play two home games in the first six weeks. That's not that that's not a very favorable schedule. On top of the fact that you listed all those teams, how many of those teams are playoff teams from last year? Right. So, you know, you know it's going to be a tough start. They're going to have to get after it, like, from week one, they're going to have to be rolling on all cylinders or firing on all cylinders. Um, there is a favorable patch. And what I do like about the schedule, and that they've done it now for the Bills two years in a row, is that they're not playing any teams coming off their bye weeks, which mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah. They don't have to worry about teams playing with an extra week of preparation. Um, and last year they did that for the Bills as well. So I'm not saying it was it was done on purpose. Um, but when I was dissecting the schedule, I noticed that, hey, we don't have teams that are coming off, you know, a buy and they get two weeks to prepare for the Bills. So I do like that. I'm not a big fan of having to travel to Kansas City early. Um, I don't know why we can't play Kansas City in Buffalo. The last three years in a row during the regular season, we've had to play the Chiefs on the road. Um, why can't we just play them in Buffalo? <laughs> um, that would that would be nice for once. I mean, I guess we'll if we have the best record in the AFC, maybe we can play them in the playoffs in Buffalo. So That'd be nice. Either way, but yeah, the first part of the schedule is brutal yeah. up to the bye, and the weeks the week seven bye is is early. I would have liked to have seen maybe week nine or ten, cut it in half. Sure. Um, so we'll see. So following the bye, you have three out of four at home, starting with uh, one of your favorites, another primetime game. Uh, this time playing host to the Packers on Sunday Night Football. Then you're at the Jets for your first meeting uh, against them. They're home for the Vikings, home for the Browns. So those four games, that's a favorable, Pats. The Jets, the Vikings, the Browns, you know, rough start with the Packers, depending on if they can repeat the success they've had uh, the last couple years uh, out there. But no Devontae Adams and some other changes they've made. We'll see. Knock on wood. They won't be that good for you guys or us this year because I'd like to beat the goddamn Packers at least one more time before I die. So uh, that would be nice. And um, But then there's a real interesting stretch. You have a short week to get ready for the Lions on Thanksgiving, but then yeah. you have a full week because you're playing on Thursday again at New England on December 1st. So you have those back-to-back Thursday uh, games after you play on Thanksgiving against the Lions. So short week after the home game against the Browns, you're at Detroit for Thanksgiving, and then you get a, week, a full week to get ready for the Patriots before your mini by playing the Jets week 14. Yeah, I do like the, the first part you mentioned. Uh, yes, the Packers are in there, but that is around the time frame when the Bills are looking to get Tredavious White back. So either... Right, right around the buy or after the buy, that's that's a favorable stretch, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it, and then it gets weird. Um, I think that if the Bills continue to be a Super Bowl contending team, um, 
we're going to be playing on Thanksgiving. They've won the last two times they played on Thanksgiving. They beat the Saints last year and the Cowboys a couple years ago. Um, so I think that's a trend. Um, I'm not saying anything against the Lions, but I'm not concerned about that game really at all, to be right. honest with you. There's yeah. a lot of stuff that's working with the Lions that they, they, they got to get through. Um, the Jets are interesting. Um, they had an amazing draft, but mm-hmm. – that's all on paper right now. Right. Um, yeah. These guys need to come into the systems and execute. Um, the Patriots, a little more concerned with, but then when you start to read, you know, between the tea leaves about what's going on with, they don't know who's calling plays on the offense right now. Belichick hasn't, he hasn't listed anybody as an offensive coordinator. Um, I think Mac Jones can be a serviceable quarterback. Um, I just don't think he's got the arm strength if they're going to need to get into a shootout with guys like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Um, they didn't have that great of a draft, but what else is new? That's what the Patriots kind of do. They just kind of draft whoever they want, um, whether they're highly regarded or not. Um, but, yeah, that's that, that last stretch of the schedule, hopefully we'll be firing on all cylinders, and that will be something that we can just kind of continue – um, to roll on because the last two years, that's what the Bills have done. 2020, they had that, that fluke Hail Mary play against the Cardinals. They didn't lose again until the AFC Championship game. Last year, you know, the stuff happened where they, they lost to the Jaguars. They won a couple games and they lost. The Colts got beat really bad by the Colts. Um, Jonathan Taylor had that 200-yard game and he had right. four touchdowns. And then they just kind of, they didn't lose again until they lost um, to the Chiefs. So, I think this team, as the season progresses, they start to get better down the stretch. Um, Gabe Davis wasn't utilized a lot in the beginning of last season. They used him a lot more down the stretch um, because I I feel like that was kind of – I don't want to say it was a plan because anybody can say that it wasn't. It was just a coincidence. But he wasn't targeted a lot at all in the beginning of the season. He was targeted twice as much in the second half of the season. We all know how he played against the Chiefs. So – and I, I think it's all going to depend how the team comes out of the gate um, and if they're going to try to implement some, some running game with this because then we can get the running backs and, you know, get them some consistency and continuity going down the stretch and hopefully be able to have a good seed in the playoffs, if not the number one seed heading into the playoffs. All right, and then the last four games, uh, week 15, you're home for the Dolphins, then you're at Chicago on Christmas Eve. That'll be fun. And then at the Bengals for Monday Night Football, Week 17, and then you close out at home uh, against the Patriots. And I think the NFL knew exactly what it was doing when they scheduled it that way. I think they're planning on that game meaning something. And as opposed to you guys phoning it in against the Jets like you did last year, <laughs> you're going to have to suit up and play the Patriots to, you know, either you're playing for the crown or you're playing to keep them out, or, or at least that's what the NFL is hoping anyway. Yeah, they've done that a lot in the last couple of years, even when Brady was still there in 2019, the bills played the Patriots down the stretch. And it was like, I think it was like week 14. And if the bills would have won at the time, they were a game behind the Patriots for the AFC East. And if the bills would have won, they would have been tied, but the bills ended up losing. So the rest of the season, you know, it, it was, was what it was, but they, yeah, they tend to do that. And what's weird lately is they've been bunching 
the division games. And I'm not seeing it just with the Bills. They're doing it a oh, lot. It's, it's all over the league. I know exactly yeah, what you're they're talking about. So you, you know, so you play the Jets, and then you play the Dolphins and the Patriots, and you play the Jets again, and then you play the Patriots, and then you play the Dolphins. It's like they're, they're bunching all those games, and they're just hoping that these divisions, because we see with the NFC East, that's been that way for 20 years, where we're, they're hoping that down the stretch these teams need to fight it out. Um, I'm fairly confident that the Miami Dolphins are going to be better than the New England Patriots this year. And I think that that is a team that's a bigger rival um, to the AFC East for the Bills than the Patriots or the Jets. I feel like they made a lot of nice moves. Yes, they have a new they have a new coach, but they have a really smart, offensive-minded coach that can help Tua, plus they added Tyreek Hill, um, and they got a really good defense. So um, it's going to be interesting. I, I think in the AFC East, the last two years we've lost one game. Now things are going to be a little bit different, might be a little bit tighter, but the Bills have also gotten a lot better progressively the last three years so it should be interesting i um i think that i'm gonna have to have you on on our live show for that bears game i oh, think we need sure. to figure, we need Absolutely. to figure that out we'll, we'll get you on the show and we'll we'll kind of you know hopefully both teams are at a good point right you know and at that time of the year that'll be fun. um and yeah. i think that would i think that would be a good time we get a lot of interaction um when we have opposing teams um content creators um on our show so i think that would be fun yeah absolutely um last thing before uh, i let you go uh your thoughts on kyle brandt being the pseudo uh buffalo bill super fan that he's portrayed himself to be uh the last few years you know i think i i think it's good and bad because i liked <laughs> i i'm not used to um the bills being talked about the way that they have been. And it's kind of annoying because they're setting expectations for this team that I, since the world of social media has been around, I'm not used to, Yeah. right? I'm not used to people saying that they're the best team in football. I'm not used to all these celebrities coming out of the freaking woodwork all of a sudden saying, go, go bills. And, um, for a while there, I thought that it might have been an act for him. Like he would just pick a team one year that was good, and he would kind of rock with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been doing it for two plus years now, yeah, so he's, he's leaning into it for sure. But he's a yeah. he's a Chicago guy. He's actually a Bears yeah. fan, and uh, I've actually had him on the show. And oh, really? He is as big a character on TV as he is uh, in quote unquote person because I spoke to him over the over the phone. I had him on the show oh, a couple nice. years ago, but. Um, yeah, so but he he is a hilarious uh, guy, and it's he did kind of latch on uh, to you guys, and I think it was more of a superstitious thing. Cause yeah. You sound like a superstitious guy as well, because I I know exactly yeah. how you're feeling. But it, it sounded like more of a superstitious thing, like he backed him and they kept winning. So of course he's just right. going to keep backing him, and it, you know that's how it all that's how it all went. Because uh, you know now he's showing up on the big board, and uh, you know. Uh, making these videos, these vignettes to show the crowd for big games and, and things like that. So he's really kind of leaning into the fact that he's latched onto the bills and bill fans in general have latched onto him. Yeah, he was, I mean, he went to the Patriots game last year in the playoffs. He was at the wildcard game and he was there and it was minus 10 degrees. So kudos to him. Yeah. And it's just stuff like that. And it's like Mike Robinson on the NFL network who has been calling bills mafia, his fan base for, 
since Josh Allen got good in 2020. <laughs> um, and he, he's, he's saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl. He said that the last two off seasons and then again this year. Um, and I think that they're just, they're, these guys just gravitate towards, you know, where were you when, when we were defending Josh Allen in 2018 when everybody said that he was terrible because yeah. his completion percentage was 53%. Where were you then? So this is why I think a lot of us diehard Bills fans are like very skeptical to like believe any of these media people when they talk about, <laughs> you know, they, they think the Bills are the best team in football. Are, are they? Or are you just saying that because other people are saying that they're the best team in football? I know what I see. Yeah, I see it that has come from not making the playoffs for 17 years to being really good. Yeah, um, and having a guy that I will ride with and watch do anything and, and not be concerned any given Sunday with Josh Allen. So I don't know. I'm not. I, I I'm. I like being the underdog. Mm-hmm. Call me superstitious. I like when people aren't talking about our team and then we just come up and we kind of punch you in the face. Yeah, type deal. So that that that's my deal. So, anyways. No, I get it for sure. I mean, I, I've, uh, I was, I was skeptical about all the love the Bears were getting going into the 2019 season. The only real detractor was Jason Lockenfora, who's got a hard on for the Bears for some reason. Um, <laughs> he does. Like even when the Bears were great in 2018, it was like any second now this is all going to fall apart. Yeah, well, we went 12 and four. We won the division. Yeah. You know, we were a pretty goddamn good football team that year, and despite yeah. Jason Lockenfora picking against us every single week, so. I mean, he had the last laugh as far as 2019 goes because we were terrible uh, in 2019 and have been the last couple of seasons. But going into the season, everyone's just like, there's no reason not to believe in the Bears this year. Yeah. They got everybody coming back. It's year two of Nagy, year two of Trubisky and his system, blah, 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 blah. They all look poised to do it. And it was just like, I know I've been saying this since last year, but hearing everybody else outside the Bears you know, community talk about it, it, it did kind of make me – uh, nervous. It's like, yeah, you guys might be jinxing us. I don't know. So yeah. I know exactly how you feel. So, so but, let me, let me ask you this. And, and I know this isn't kind of one of your subjects for the show, but what's actually, it's a two part question. Yeah. Um, the first part, what's, what are your thoughts on Mitch Trubisky? Do you think that he was given a fair shake, um, with you guys? Because you would know more of the behind the scenes type stuff sure. that the media stuff and, the stuff that happens in practice that we don't care about and, you know, game preparation stuff and, you know, things like that. We just see what he does on the field. Yeah. Um, and obviously he was Josh Allen's backup last year, and we absolutely loved having him because I think he was the best backup in the league, obviously, for, you know, to have a, a former starting quarterback who's got a winning record to be your backup. I think it was the right move. So what's your overall thoughts on the whole, how that whole situation went down with, with Trubisky? It's funny uh, because if you go back and you listen – um, I guess I was drinking the Nagy Kool-Aid to a degree um, because Mitch wasn't brilliant before Nagy got there. And then he had this season in 2018 where he was better at the end of the season than he was at the start, but he wasn't, still wasn't making those tremendous strides where you're just like, oh my God, you know, this guy just emerged this year uh, or anything right. like that. And then 2019, that first game of the year, uh, we kicked off the 100th season on Thursday Night Football against the Packers and it was just like that was supposed to be the beginning of it there was that we were going to at home you know Thursday night football we're kicking off the season our arch rivals we're going to you know knock their dick in the dirt and just keep going from there and that did not happen you know and and we we scored three points in that game I mean if I had told you that that your defense 
was going to sack Aaron Rodgers five times, keep him under to 40 yards rushing, less than 200 yards total offense, and we were going to lose. Would you believe that? Because that's what happened <laughs> no. to us. Yeah. You know, we absolutely smothered Aaron Rodgers for four quarters and still lost the game 10 to three. So, yeah. and it just like Mitch never got his mojo back from that game. I think that game went completely the opposite of what he thought it was. And he just never seemed to get it back. So yeah. it was a combination of that. And, you know, we now know, we know now, especially after what we just went through with, with what Nagy, you know, basically sacrificed Justin Field to the football gods all season last year was that we know yeah. Mitch wasn't the problem. You know, he wasn't right. helping, but it was more Nagy than it was Mitch. So it's it's a hindsight situation. Like I'm sure there's more love for Mitch now than it was when we left when he left or when we let him go, however you want to put it. Um, you know, yeah. it was there slapping us right in the face during that uh, preseason game. For sure, when he drove up and down the field and scored five touchdowns uh, on us, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like, but they were, but the thing was, you guys, Buffalo, did exactly what Nagy refused to do Mitch's entire career in Chicago, which was doing what he's actually good at, as opposed to trying to make him into this system quarterback that he wasn't made to be. You you were yeah. doing the 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 short passes the you know the three step drop boom the ball's out right away you know cutting the field in half so he doesn't have to read the entire defense and he just dinked and dunked his way right up and down the field scored five touchdowns in the first half and it's like yeah number one it's a preseason so relax number two yeah. they're actually doing what he does best and so I mean it's just like okay so obviously McDermott wants Mitch to succeed as opposed to making him succeed your way. That's what Nagy right. was. He wasn't so much interested in succeeding as he was succeeding his way, and that's why he's unemployed and we got a brand-new head coach right now. So I, Yeah, it's it's interesting that what you say about trying to make him be the quarterback that he's not because a lot of people have said that Josh Allen, and this is going to be my second question for you, um, a lot of people have said that they need – you know, trying to make Josh Allen into a pocket passer, um, and he'd be even more dynamic because of his arm talent. Um, you know, he's worked on his mechanics. He's he's been working on that. You know, every off season, he goes out with with you know Jordan Palmer, and they work on his mechanics. He's worked on all the short stuff. He's worked on taking things that are given. He's been working on all that stuff. But you don't you don't cage Josh Allen. It's not you just can't. You got to let him. And it, it was evident in the second half of the Tampa the Tampa Bay game, um, not knowing that he had a really bad bone bruise on his foot because um, he was in a walking boot after the game, and he played like I'm the only guy in this field right now in offense, and you're just gonna have you're just gonna have to stop me. And the same against the Chiefs, mm-hmm. you could tell there was not designed run calls that were played. But you know what? I don't give a shit. I'm gonna. It's gonna be a design run because I see what I see. So. My question to you is, what if, as an outside of the, the Buffalo market, um, an outsider's perspective, I guess not nationally, but what is the perspective on Josh Allen out there, um, you know, as far as how, how, he, how good or, you know, he is as, as a quarterback as opposed to, um, oh, well, he was good against Kansas City and New England, but what else has he done? Like, what is what is the national perception? We just see what they talk about on ESPN and the NFL Network. And, yeah. But actual fans like yourself that, you know, might 
not watch him on a weekly basis, but get to see some of him play. Um, what is your perspective on on his game and where he's at in his career? Well, I think it's it's something that's grown over the years because I think we were all very much in the same uh, boat with the national media as far as uh, you know. Maybe they did pick the wrong Josh those first couple years when he was when he was struggling, and then you know he just kind of he just kind of figured it out. You know what I mean? Like it just right. all of a sudden it was like an epiphany, and Josh Allen started becoming the guy that he had the potential to be. Because like you said, when he was drafted, it was looked upon. He was a uh, he was a project. He could throw the ball to the moon if he wanted to, but he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn if he tried when he was drafted. Right. But he had all of this this talent. He practically carried Wyoming on his back uh, when he was out there, and, and now he's doing that with with Buffalo. And you're right, caging him would be a mistake. Uh, not letting him be who he is and and everything. It's like you didn't you didn't sign the guy to a forty million dollar a year contract so you could turn him into something that he isn't. I think it would be a mistake. Now, I understand the impulse because you want to keep him in the pocket, therefore not running around getting murdered by linebackers and safeties. Right. But, you know, it'd be, it could be the, to the detriment of your football team if you're trying to protect him. You know, yeah. you could, you'd be hurting him by protecting him, uh, kind yeah. of thing. So w- with the things that we've seen Josh Allen do, what, what you've seen, you know, highlights and, and you know, uh, packages and, and playoff games uh, and whatnot, it's like, you know, why does he have a $40 million contract? Because he's worth it. He absolutely yeah. is. He's, he's earned the contract that he's been given, and you know he's definitely one of the, one of the elite uh, for sure uh, in the NFL. Awesome. So. I appreciate that because we, don't, we kind of box ourselves in, and I'm sure you're familiar with being a content creator, and um, you probably have a circle of people that you, you, know, you get information from and, and stuff like that. We... Everybody here thinks that he's the second coming of God because <laughs> we've been waiting 20 plus. We've been waiting since Jim Kelly to yeah. have Sky. We don't know what to do with ourselves. So right. when we see these things happen, there's a lot of times that Chiefs game in the divisional round, that that was something that we've never seen. A lot of the new generation Bills fans have never seen that before yeah. from their quarterback. And it's it's nice to know that there's people out there that um, are going to give you honest feedback about him. Because in 2018, there were some times when I was like, oh, gosh, this this is not looking too good. And then there was plays when you're like, oh, shit, how did he complete that? <laughs> so, which I'm sure you've seen, you've seen in Justin Fields where there's some plays yeah. I'm sure where you've seen where you're like, wow, what the heck happened there? And then there's plays you're like, okay, he's the guy. Yeah. You know, type thing. Well, well yeah, I mean, anyways, those I, would be the, um, you know, like the Cleveland game where Nagy basically threw him to the Wolves and got him sacked nine times, uh, yeah. gave him an empty offensive line, uh, or, you know, just five guys defending against Clowney and, and uh, you know, Miles Garrett's and, you know, got sacked five times in the first half, made yeah. zero adjustments, got sacked four more times in the second half. And I think I actually got that backwards. Four times in the first half, five in the second Zero adjustments and nearly got him killed. It's like it's a wonder he showed up to work on Monday. What the hell are you right. doing? You know, because on Monday, everybody, not just Bear fans, everybody, like all the talking heads on all the shows, Nagy needs to be fired. He's absolutely going to ruin this kid. What the hell was he doing yesterday? And that was the entire season. And then you have that moment like he had in the 49ers game. It's fourth and one. 
he's you know trying to do like a scramble. He runs into a wall of defenders on one side, reverses field, goes yeah. all the way back to the other side, runs it in for a touchdown. You know, to yeah. see plays like that, that that touchdown pass he threw in the Monday night game on against Pittsburgh, uh, that gave the Bears the lead uh, late in the game. You know, the, running running to his left, throwing and you know pinpoint accuracy to Mooney in the back of the end zone. I mean, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, okay, we got something on our hands here, which is why we're all salivating over the fact that a Nagy's gone, and then B Getzy, uh, our new offensive coordinator from Green Bay, is talking about. We're going to build our offense around the quarterback. We're going to do what he does best and, you know, yeah. give him the best position, put him in the best position to succeed as opposed right. to like, okay, here's our rigid little system and we're going to squeeze him in it whether he wants right. to or not. So um, so that's why we're all excited about what could be coming uh, this year with those guys. Well, hopefully, I mean, I, I, I think he's a, he's a tremendous talent. I, I think that if you just put, you know, it took the Bills, they had to get the right, guys around him they got to surround him with the, the, these quarterbacks coming out nowadays it's a different breed all of them yeah. they're all you know what i'm saying they're all big guys or they're all extremely extremely athletic and you can't just not give them the proper tools because once they gave you know josh allen Diggs, and the season before even he had john brown and, and cole beasley i mean you got to give these guys you know talent you can't expect to have what would be a number two on another team as your number one, no yeah. knock against Putin because I think he might be a number one receiver, but you got disgruntled wide receivers sitting out there like DK Metcalf. I thought for sure you guys would make a move to the offseason to get somebody like him. Give him that weapon. Then now you got two really good receivers and now he's got options, but I can go on and on for days about that. Right. I mean, I, I think we're, we're an off season away from the bears making those kind of moves. Cause we got like 110 million in cap space next yeah. year. So yeah. going out and getting somebody like a DK Metcalf and hopefully the, the Seahawks will let him be and hopefully they won't trade him so that he'll hit yeah. the market next year. Uh, yeah, Cause I think that the, the, you know, that the bears would salivate over getting a guy like that and they'd have the money to go get him too. So yeah. exactly. Dave, <clears throat> this has been a blast, man. Uh, thanks so much uh, for coming on. Uh, it's going to be a while before we get a chance to talk again, cause we're not playing until Christmas Eve, but uh <laughs> I look forward to uh, to having you back on. I look forward to being on your show. Where can we keep up with you in the meantime? Uh, well, I'm the co-founder of Built in Buffalo. Uh, uh, we are all over social media. We're on Facebook. We actually just hit 50,000 followers on Facebook. Wow. You can just search Built in Buffalo if you're, if you're a Bills fan. Um, Instagram, it's just Built in Buffalo underscore. Twitter is Built in Buffalo underscore. Uh, my handle is uh, Dave Myers uh, B-I-B on Twitter. Um so yeah, we're we're on YouTube. Um, we're even on TikTok. I don't know how to do it. We have a younger guy that does that yeah, for me us. Either. Um, but yeah, and I look forward. We'll we'll probably chat up throughout the season. You know, we've connected here now, so for um, sure, you know, follow each other. So, but yeah, check us out if you're if you're a Bills fan. Check us out. We're uh, we're a digital media brand, and we're 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 getting we're getting bigger. We're getting we're one of the last few games, but we're we're growing. Nice. Well, Dave, thanks so much uh, for for coming back or for coming on to the show. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again real soon. All right. I appreciate it, Larry. Have a good one. I want to thank our guest Dave Myers from Built, on, Built in Buffalo. 
Uh, it's going to be a while before we talk to him again, over six months, actually, because Bears, uh, Bears Bills, I believe, is Christmas Eve, uh, the 24th, week 16, uh, something like that. And, um, you know, so it's going to be a while before we get a chance to uh, have another chat with him. And uh, but uh, I think <laughs> I think we uh, we got our fill for sure uh, with all the time that we filled uh, talking uh, to one another. So uh, it's going to be uh, be a good time having him back. And, and for sure, we'll know, uh, you know, is this going to be an important game for both teams? Does Buffalo need to win because they're trying to hold court and, uh, you know, make sure that everything goes through uh, Buffalo uh, in the AFC? Are the Bears doing anything at this point, or are we, you know, looking forward to 2023 playing young guys and uh, seeing what we got uh, in the cupboard uh, as we go forward into a very important offseason in 2023 with cap space and draft picks and uh, and things like that. So uh, be interested to talk to uh, Dave at that point when the season's basically wrapping up to see where both these teams are and uh, how, uh, how it's all gone. So uh, I look forward to that conversation. So with that, we close the book on the AFC East, and now we move on to the NFC East. And first up, the last place finisher, the New York Giants. And our returning guest, Ryan Dunleavy from the New York Post, was kind enough to come back uh, and talk to us. We will cover uh, everything with the, uh, with the Giants, the, the fact that they didn't look like they were going to fire Joe Judge, and then they did and went all in on a, on a, on a GM and uh, you know, head coaching uh, search and hiring Brian Dable, who was a favorite of a lot of Bear fans after what he did with Josh Allen. would love to see what he could have done uh, with Justin Fields. Didn't work out that way, but he got his shot to be a head guy uh, with the Giants and, uh, you know, Daniel Jones and, and, and everything that they have going on. And, uh, you know, thanks to the Justin Fields trade, they got two top ten picks uh, out of it. They the, the number five pick being their own, and our pick would have been number seven. And they got two studs uh, at the at, in those two spots, uh, Thibodeau and and uh, Evan Neal, uh, the tackle from uh, Alabama. So uh, you're welcome, New York. But uh, you know it's uh, it's going to be fun. We'll, we'll get into the NFC East. Start with the Giants, and we move on to the Commanders. Uh, then we'll have the uh, Eagles and the Cowboys before we move on to the NFC North and start to wrap things up. So be sure to come back next Tuesday for myself with Ryan Dunleavy previewing the New York Giants. And until then. My name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.